get it. <laughs> Welcome to Making Enemies, a podcast about a man, plan, a canal, Panama. Spoiler, teaser. Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, I am Chris. I'm joined, as always, by Russ. Hey there. And Dave. Hey. Uh, how's it going, guys? How's your 2021 going so far? Um, pretty good. Better than some people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe we shouldn't get into it. Let's 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 <laughs> no. keep it light. I'm sorry. I immediately regret asking. I, all, all I no, well, I will say this. All I was really hoping for is I, I was praying that there, we were not going to start the year with like 2021 hold my beer oh yeah like memes, memes about 2020 yeah. you know um but but we, we did <laughs> um so we're gonna try to keep this light make it a bit of an escape um and talk about other things going on uh but first some housekeeping um in our last episode, we talked about Wonder Woman 1984, which is available on HBO Max. So if you haven't given that a listen, maybe do that. Uh, depends on your opinion of the Wonder Woman movie. But we talked about it a bunch and we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I would give you a heads up that it's coming down from HBO Max on January 24th. I'm not sure that <laughs> that it will still be up when this episode is out for me well, to tell you to, to go Christi- back and listen to it. So I'm actually uh, doing according a Christopher Nolan Christop- podcast. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure anyone cares anyway, either way. So Yeah, just go listen to us be hilarious for like 50 minutes. Uh, also, follow us on Instagram, which should be up and running by now. Another uh, Christopher Nolan-esque manipulation of time where I'm saying it now and I'll be sending it up. But you haven't done it yet, but it will be Yeah. Up. But it's already oh done my. in some weird way. Whoa. Um, so look up Making Enemies something on Instagram. <laughs> whatever's available. The logo. Yeah, whatever's available. Making Enemies underscore 69. Something yeah, like that. Exactly. We'll let you know. Uh, we are up on Spotify and iTunes. You are likely listening to us on one of those two things. So good for you. Uh, but tell your friends if they don't use that to go listen to us. Subscribe, like us, rate us. Do all of that stuff. And... Let's get right into this week's episode. Uh, we watched Tenet. It's the latest, maybe, I don't want to say controversial, but uh, most talked about movie this year, probably, from Christopher Nolan. Uh, some of us saw it twice. Many of those times uh, were done Most safely. of us saw it twice. Only one of us did not see it twice. <laughs> one of us almost didn't see it at all. <laughs> one of us finished about 15 minutes ago. I saw half of it, but you guys saw... It twice, so we kind of average. It, it's one viewing between the three of us. Yeah, um, we should set the table a little bit for the listener. Let them know that this uh, the Making Enemies podcast also doubles as a Christopher Nolan fan club meeting on a weekly basis, which you probably know from listening to our superhero uh, lists. So we'll see how that affects what we thought of the movie. I'm interested to get uh, your guys' opinions for sure on that. Um, we can get right into it. If you like, we could talk a little bit about what a weird release the movie had this year. Talk a little bit about a, the best we can do to summarize a plot. Maybe maybe we should start with <laughs> what were your guys' first impressions with this movie? 
And Russ, I'm most curious about you because we we back up in time a little bit here into the summer and we're talking about anticipated movies. And you had said you were going to brave COVID and go to the theaters to watch it. Now, I can't remember. Did you? You went to the theater to watch yeah. it, right? Yeah. I feel yeah. like I don't even know when I saw it. It was a while ago. It was it was a lot quite a while ago that I went. Uh, I saw it in IMAX, which is the main reason that I went. Because <laughs> just that movie experience... After doing that, like stadium seating was my first revelation with movies, which happened actually during uh, Dave's former band <laughs> mixing their album in Florida. I went to see Chris's favorite movie, Batman Begins. And, uh, oh, I love that movie. In a, in a theater down there, and it was stadium seating, and I was blown away. I was like, this is how old they should, they should all be like this. <laughs> so. And. Then you went to Jordan's Furniture and then you oh, went up. Yeah, it's like <laughs> mine was blown several times over there. It was IMAX slash stadium seating slash Tempur-Pedic chairs, uh, chairs that <laughs> <laughs> evacuate your bowels for you. It was unbelievable. You never have to get up. <laughs> I think you both will agree. One of the main things about that experience is the sound. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like, I went into that mm-hmm. with my whole Dark Knight Rises rant right. about like, you know, the bat wing, like blowing my nuts off while it <laughs> took off in that scene. But it, it almost actually is too. I've noticed with Nolan moves specifically, whenever there's like a gunfight, like the shots are so loud. It's almost like blows your eardrums out. <laughs> it happened in. Uh, what the fuck's that other movie? Inception. Uh, no, Dunkirk oh. a few times. Like in the very beginning, it's all quiet. And it's like, <laughs> you're like whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, this was, remember, you remember the beginning scene of this movie is the whole opera house right. attack. So right, right. it was similar, similar had things happening there. Right. When you, when you went to see it in the theater, did you go midday on, on a weekday? Oh, yeah. Like yeah, how many yeah, people yeah. were there? What was that? What was that like? Like midday on a Thursday or something like that. Which yeah. that that's my normal move is to do something like that, no yeah. matter what time of what what kind of virus is uh, around. <laughs> uh, because I just people are the worst and they ruin everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this time I think two other people were in the theater with me. Oh my god! And they came late, so I was like, I was the only one for a minute. Did they sit <laughs> on either side of you because you had the best no, seat in the house? Uh, <laughs> that's usually how that works. Yeah. That happened with Endgame, actually. Like, but that that I went to see that opening weekend because I didn't want anyone to spoil it. Yeah. That's my, I made an exception. Yeah, that opening weekend move is a tough move for sure. No, it's it's bad. It was very, you know, I like Dave said, this is like my number one movie I've ever made before. It's a Nolan movie. Like to me, Nolan movies are they're they're the one thing I look forward to in cinema because most movies are dog yeah. shit these days. New Mutants, Ava, and Wonder Woman. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so I had high, high hopes, high hopes for this. Can't say uh, it lived up to as to be as good as I wanted it to be. Okay. I wonder what you guys think. Yeah, Dave, what did you, having literally just hit stop on the movie. That's right. We are, I am fresh. This is the equivalent of a post theater. I walked out of the theater smelling like popcorn. Uh, unlike the last vape, Las Vegas, <laughs> yes. 
movie <laughs> exit review where no one left because they, they all couldn't died do exit reviews because everyone died during the the showing. Um, Inside joke. Sorry, guys. I I really liked it actually. Wow. So I'll we can go into other reasons, but that's just my gut initial reaction. I still have a lot prior to us sit and record here. I. I made the comment that I feel like I'm not going to be able to do the movie justice as far as feedback. Cause I definitely want to see it again. I need to think about it, but anyway, but I liked it. Okay. So, uh, Russ is lukewarm. Dave, a little bit warmer. I would say I'm closer yeah. having now seen it twice in two days. <laughs> thanks to my 48 hour rental. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I'm closer. I think to Dave's, sentiment on this i well i will say that i was actively mad at it for like the first hour and then by hmm. the end when everything swings back around i was kind of like all right okay that was that was pretty good and then i thought about it a lot the next day and i was like okay now i'm gonna rewatch it and and uh and notice all of these like cool things that you know, i should have kept my eye out for and i'm not sure if it was as rewarding on the second viewing as i expected it to be but I thought it was um, exciting. It was fun. I like those trippy, mind-bending, kind of make-you-think type of type of media, like TV shows and movies and stuff. So um, I found that part of it to be really fun. Story-wise, plot-wise, it was like, eh. It didn't really matter because you were there to check out like the visualization of this cool idea the director had, right? Like that's why we're here. It's like, I had this idea. I put it in a movie. Look at how cool it is. Don't worry about any other detail. <laughs> were you more, you, you thought that, did you think the, the time slippage inversion, uh, whatever they want to, you want to call it was more believable than Endgame? <laughs> I have to say like, I, I'm with you when it when you get into the context of look. I like movies that make you think or more uh, intelligent, I guess you'd say, than your typical like popcorn movie. I, as much as I like comic book movies, I still would like the Nolan movies are some of my favorite. Like you know, between Inception, Interstellar, Memento, uh, Dunkirk, like this one, I feel it was obtuse for the purpose of it being obtuse like i or either that or he's just he's trying to make it everyone he, he wants everyone to know how sm more smart than he is than than you are i would say that for you listening you probably should go watch it <laughs> right if you haven't seen it this the remainder of this conversation is going to be like make absolutely no sense because we're barely hanging on to it let so I have I found a plot summary online that does what I thought was a pretty good job of not saying too much, but giving you sort of a linear idea of what's going on. So let me let's just say what's in the plot of the movie. So from poopoodoodoo.com? That's where I get all okay. of my news. Cool. Should be good then. Yeah. So okay. So this is um and then we can kind of go from there. So um this uh writer Alyssa Wilkinson from Vox.com, I'm kind of stealing her plot summary. Uh she says the story involves an agent played by John David Washington, who's called the protagonist. He has no name. Okay, fine. Chris Nolan. Cool. Uh, the protagonist is sent on a truly brain-bending mission for reasons he does not understand. 
Along the way, he encounters an unhappy woman, who's played by Elizabeth Debicki, married to a cruel, fabulously wealthy oligarch, played by Kenneth Branagh, who's playing a Russian character doing an accent. We like people, apparently we like to watch movies where people do accents. Um, so he, uh, Kenneth Branagh's character seems to be dealing with some shadow and devious figures. They're doing some sort of deal. Uh, the protagonist partners up with a guy named Neil, uh, who is like, they're both agents. They're both these like CIA agents, basically, uh, who's played by Robert Pattinson. Uh, he, Neil always seems to know what's going on. He seems to know more than, than what he's like letting on. Also floating around is a group called Tenet, who seems to be sort of controlling everything. And someone somewhere has hatched a plot to destroy humanity. Protagonist and Neil hop around the world. They climb things, jump off things, shoot guns, and drink martinis in fancy places. I liked her little turn at the end there. Um, to, for what it's worth, in full transparency, the title of her review was Tenet is here. It's fine, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, so that's what we're dealing with. Uh, a weird plot, pretty good cast. Um, a time travel, mind-bending element, and basically a spy action thriller, right? For the most yeah. part? Okay. Like James Bond going back and forth in time. Pretty much. <laughs> I think that you, you should have jumped in. Like That, I think, <laughs> sums it up a lot better. It's, it's this manipulation of time that one of the characters finds out about, and they use it to their advantage or disadvantage throughout the course of the film. And that is the complexity that Nolan is like, watch what I'm going to do with your brains and then you watch it you're like, ah, I have to think about this yeah so <laughs> I don't know well let's break this up in four pieces if we can I think there's three topics that are very easy to, to, to talk about and I think that we're kind of generally agreeing on cinematography music casting I think we can and then the plot is where we're going to kind of diverge a bit cinematography and you were touching on it Chris I thought it was fucking amazing just taking that concepts of fight people going forward through time and reverse in time and they meet each other and there's fight scenes where it's going backwards and forward at the same time. A building is being blown up and put back together at the same time. It's stuff that you're just like, Holy shit. Like that's just the visual of that was incredible. Absolutely. I agree with the cinematography was unbelievable. Although, although don't you just play the film backwards to get like that whole thing. (laughs) happening there but no I, I agree his films always look great i'm not sure if he uses the same cinematographer or yeah. but i understand you mean like the, basically the concept of the filming like trying to film people going some going forward and some going backwards in time at the concurrently that's pretty I mean, that cool. is such a compl- that's such specifically a the time the, um, the building yeah i, I, would, I would just i would it's just it's such a complicated thing to pull Imagine trying to pull that off, right? And I feel like he did it really darn well. Like, I'd imagine a lesser director or whatever trying to do the same thing and it just being like, what? <laughs> you know, like, like for as difficult of a concept as it was, I thought it was, I thought they pulled it off pretty strong. I, I completely agree. I mean, this looks, it looks like a Christopher Nolan movie. It's it's shot in a number of beautiful, amazing places with these like sweeping shots. These a lot of landscapes gives you the sense like everything is like crystal clear and everything like looks amazing in HD. Like it just the movie looks fantastic. And then to be able to sort of translate the complexities of time 
being manipulated in certain ways to be able to sort of visually send that across was like an added level of difficulty. And I think, I, I think they, for the most part, got, got it right. Although I will, mm-hmm. can we, can we do nitpicks throughout? Yeah, yeah, please. So like, look, there are times in this movie where our characters are moving backwards through time, right? And they want to show you that like, this is a part where time is moving in the opposite direction. So like smoke and steam, like, like billows down and like things move back and birds fly the opposite direction. There were scenes where, but they wanted to make the, for example, protagonist look like he was walking forward. There were scenes where he was very clearly walking backwards and then they just spun the film around. Like I'm actually realizing like it's hard to explain what I'm trying to get across, but in order to make it look like you were walking forwards, you have to pretend to walk backwards and then they spin the film around and you could see that the motion was so jerky of a guy not looking natural as he walked backwards that it, it, it was, I, I found that really noticeable and I didn't, I thought, I thought that was a miss. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Not really. Oh man. Yeah. Now I, now I need to go rewatch the walking it as soon part as we're I done here. I <laughs> when he first steps out of the turnstile and he's like, I have to go do the car chase again that scene where he's walking from the building to the car. He's, and he steps in the puddle like, or whatever. Yeah, his like arms yeah. aren't moving the right way for a person who is walking forward. It, it, watch, it, watch it again. Well, the, well, that was when he was experiencing it for the first time. Yeah, but I'm telling is, you is that physically, mo- like that's how they shot the scene, right? right? Like, it's like it was noticeable enough. It was like claymation. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was just like jaunty. I was like, oh, this guy is walking backward, practicing walking forward. I, I don't, I, I remember seeing, I, my only sense of that part of the movie was is that they were kind of doing it on purpose. Did you, did you, did you feel that way throughout the movie going forward about the backwards parts? Yeah, basically, I think from there, from that moment in the film, there are times when they had, Jesus, is, I'm finding this really difficult to talk about. <laughs> okay. um, there were moments where they had to show time going in opposite directions in the same shot, right? Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, it required some of the actors to, some of the actors to walk yeah. backwards and some of the actors to walk forwards while the camera's on all of the characters. And I think some people yeah. were better and worse at walking backwards and forwards than others. So that it was like, it. you could see it not really working in some places. I might, I immediately keyed in. I was like, that looks kind of fucking weird. Fake. Fake. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, he stood up in the theater. Fake. <laughs> I took my handkerchief and I threw it on the floor and I said, sir. He's not really walking backwards. This time. is it's bullshit. This is hogwash. Well, I guess what I, what I wanted to get to at some point is like there is an absolute vacuum of like computer generated effects in this movie. Like every single thing, and maybe this goes back to the cinematography, looked practical to me, except for maybe some like glass mm-hmm. windows getting pulled back. Like everything looked real, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. But that required then yeah. these people to kind of act their way through it as opposed to like superimposing two camera shots on top of each other. You know what I mean? Probably intentional. I mean, obviously, we all know it looks, everything looks 10 times more real when it's done that way. So, except to Chris. I got my, I got my <laughs> eagle eyes on. <laughs> I think it looked like a two and a half hour boomerang video. So, <laughs> <laughs> cheers. 
Oh, if only this was a visual medium, you would see Russ uh, <laughs> doing the robot. I think back and forth, very very back and fast. Forth a- yeah, they should have just called this Boomerang colon the movie. <laughs> <laughs> boomerang, a Christopher Nolan joint joint. <laughs> A boomerang colon. (laughs) (laughs) Turtle head, no turtle head. Just in and out. (laughs) That sounds like our pregame discussion. (laughs) Shooting it in. Oh, never mind. Uh, What was the next one? All right. Next was music. Keep going. It was music. Music, Okay. I forgot that Hans Zimmer didn't do the music on this. And I I knew that going ahead. But I I mean, I forgot. It's because they basically told. They got a knockoff. The, the guy to be like, all right, you need to make music like your Hans Zimmer. hundred <laughs> percent. And he did a phenomenal yeah, he job. Did a good job. They were, also a great. There were there were two parts, um, music wise that that stuck out to me, and and um, one was the scene where Kenneth Brenna and his wife Elizabeth. Um, we're having that intense scene where she was going to shoot him. And like, you can tell she's nervous and shaking and the music in that part steps up to where it becomes really, really loud. And that's, that's also kind of a, a Nolan thing. The music is typically a bit on the higher side on the volume aspect of, but at this one with what they were doing with the sound, it made me immediately visualize or think of like a blood rush. like. It was just you, like he, Kenneth Brennan was going through like total blood rage, mm. like in anger. And that music, and it wasn't even really, it was more like sound effect, really, because of like this heartbeat yeah. thumping sound. And then that's like, and the, the, the thumping sound yeah. and that whatever um, was really fucking intense. And I think elevated that particular scene in the movie. This is at the end, at the very end when they're on the boat? No, no, that was kind of in the middle or like a little bit past the middle. Is that where he shoots her? Oh, like in the, in the proving chamber room with the turnstile? Yes. yes. Where, he beats, okay. where he beats her up, basically. Where he beats her, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Where you can say, like he basically goes into a rage. Right, right, right. right. Yep. Um, yeah. The other part was, um, it wasn't so much maybe like the, the scene, the music of the scene, but when they were, towards the beginning when they were doing the crashing the airplane into the building to, okay, they played almost very, very reminiscent of the beginning of Bane in the airplane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was almost, it wasn't identical, but it was like, this is like the same song. <laughs> like the same, it's this just, is like the same music. That's what it felt like. Um, this is airplane music. Anyway. No, That's his airplane Yeah, music. he needs that for every, anytime he has an airplane in the, on, on screen, he needs that. I like airplanes. I, I thought that scene was <laughs> fucking awesome, but. Yeah. The the to keep it on the music discussion, I completely agree. I assumed it was Hans Zimmer. And then I looked later, I was like, oh, well, good job faking it. I guess there's a formula. <laughs> right. Well, one thing Zimmer does, so he's done it in a couple movies. He's done it in in like Dark Knight, he did it in Interstellar. is this like and he did it in, I think in Dunkirk, which is like he has this kind of like clock ticking element to some mm-hmm, of his mm-hmm. scores and yeah. I that guy used the totally used that in a part <laughs> part of the score of this movie. Yeah. It's like chick, yeah. Chick, 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 chick. yeah. Not exactly that, but similar. And 
yeah it was so but it was good i mean like like you said it made me think that Hans zimmer actually scored the movie yeah it made me it made me feel like i was watching a christopher nolan movie i was like okay this this fits in like the family of uh inception and interstellar and some of the batman movies like it felt connected sonically i guess in, in a the way. family i was like yeah. okay i was like i feel comfortable in this universe even like, though it wasn't like the same guy. Chris, I know Chris likes this guy, but like, can, can you imagine if like Hans Zimmer did your last movie and then like Danny Elfman did Tenet? <laughs> well, <laughs> it'd be like very different experience. <laughs> I don't even know where <laughs> so. to jump in on that. I don't love Danny Elfman, all right? Jeez. Where was the, uh, <laughs> what was the next one? Casting? Uh, yeah, the casting. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. curious if, if any, if any of the, Casting bothered you, or you, you were good with it, were good with it, or? Well, I know Chris had he, he might have had a problem with Brana, but I thought the casting was good. He Nor, Nolan that usually does a really good job. He likes to reuse actors, which yeah, pretty, I think he only did once here. Like, he, but every movie pretty much has to have Michael Caine. So yeah, who's getting man? He's getting old. <laughs> he looked old, yeah. he looked and he really sounds old. old. It, yeah. Like he's like to the age he's so old that like it affects his speech pattern. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. sound the same anymore. Sort of a wavy. And we have the new Batman in this movie. I didn't have a problem. He was pretty good in it. Yeah, I thought the casting was pretty... I mean, I had really kind of no general complaints. It felt pretty strong. Look, I, I, I think I agree on this, too. Uh, I thought John David, John David Washington was very cool as, as this person. Yeah. Like, he was so ice cold and confident and smooth and capable this whole like the entire movie <laughs> even when they're mm-hmm. like no no we can make time go backwards he's like all right cool give me a gun i'm good with it <laughs> like it's like <laughs> he's just like unflappable which which i, I yeah. thought was really really cool um yeah. i thought he was very good as you know it's unfortunate he didn't have like an actual name <laughs> but protagonist i guess is fine i thought elizabeth debicki was really good she was in, she's in Guardians too, if that's anything, but I don't know her from much else. I thought she was excellent in this. Um, mm-hmm. She's the only person who's operating on any emotions. I guess Kenneth Branagh was to some degree, but like yeah. her story is like the heart of the story. She's the emotional tie to this entire enterprise. And I thought she did a good job. I thought she, she brought you in. You felt kind of, it felt kind of personal when she was talking, which is something I, want to mention at some point like there there are no monologues in this movie except when she talks every scene to me felt like rapid fire question and answer conversations between two characters which was too it became jarring i was like i don't have a flow with anybody here i don't feel like i know them but her Mm -hmm. i felt like i did i feel that's a very good point i hadn't thought of that i i did i did I did feel that the movie, I remember there's a few points I'm like, wow, this is definitely moving along. Like it's going, you know, one scene in the next, it's kind of moving quickly, but it was still also a two and a half hour movie. Like if, if it, sure. If, if time wasn't, if time wasn't a thing, hmm. um, it could, this could have easily been like a three and a half hour movie, you know, expanding some things. Sure. It's just, there was just a lot he was trying to get through that. I, I, I I get what you're saying. I think I, I kind of agree to that. Russ, what do you think? Neil, any further casting thoughts? No. I mean, I mean, I wasn't, I have to tell you, I wasn't like emotionally connected with any of these people. 
don't know mm-hmm. if that's a failure of the movie or I wasn't supposed to be or what. But that seemed to, from what I, the few things I had read, and I think a few comments that we've already made, like that seems to be a major takeaway. It's like there, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, virtually no emotion in this film, and I, I don't think that's for, you know, like at the actors like due to the actors in this movie. I think this is this is the point of this this is the point of this storytelling device. Right? Like that, that wasn't that wasn't why we're here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Where historically, like if you look at Inception, a, a movie that played with some really high concept esoterical stuff and played with time a little bit. There's a huge emotional punch at the end of that movie. And and really throughout. Like you're yeah. curious about like his relationship with his kid. Um Interstellar is basically that right like another huge emotional sweep this movie is like look we're gonna blow up a plane we're gonna have a crazy gunfight at the end like don't worry about it it's gonna be fun it'll be confusing yeah i mean they they try to get into the whole relationship between her and her son the son you never meet um and the fact that john david washington's character well he tries to like he does he tries to do the right thing by her you know by the whole end where he like saves her and all that. So, but even that connection was a little thin for me. That was the, um, I guess we're kind of going right into the plot here. That whole concept of her and her son. So I kind of, in my mind, I didn't predict whatever. I kind of knew where this was going and the, the total end and reveal didn't surprise me. Cause I, that's where I thought it was going. Cause the only reason why I thought about that was, why does he care so much about her and her son? There's it was seemingly no real reason. Like he kind of kind of liked her. Like if if you were just kind of watching this and you're watching it develop, it seemed a lot. Um, so much was about her saving her, doing things with her, and then the kid. And because of that, I'm like, there has to be another reason for it. So that as far as like the emotional connection, wasn't there because i think there was like an alternative mo- I, I don't know i don't know maybe i'm i'm off but that's kind of how i was feeling about it throughout the movie i mean the son existed to keep her tied to kenneth Branagh's character right like he was the reason she obviously has a mother she's like doesn't want to be separated from a kid kenneth brown is ultra wealthy and can kind of do whatever he wants and basically owned her a plot point i did not fully understand with like the art forgery but um, apparently she had an affair with that other dude, the dude who sold or gave the, the painting to her that her husband yeah. bought. I guess that's her, yeah. his hold. And then like, it's an, it's a forgery. It's a but little nebulous though. It was a forgery. She, no, she said she didn't nebulous know. Nebulous is right. Yeah. She said she didn't know. She told the protagonist that. This is why I wrote, Nolan finally made a movie so clever, anyone with a normal IQ and lower can never understand it. <laughs> so I would, I would tie that back to my original, my first notes, like when I, when I stopped watching this movie, I was like, this movie is trying to overwhelm you with information for the purpose of like, I don't know, like shocking and awing you, basically. Like, I want to throw all of these visual ideas at you, all of these physics ideas at you, and then make you think, and then have you try to figure out the movie while I'm yelling plot points at you. Like it's overwhelming you to the point of just like sit back and kind of absorb everything and don't think about it. 
but he also wants you to think about it. So, like, I didn't appreciate that. He definitely likes to overwhelm you. I, I was just more interested in the whole, like, dream within a dream scenario than I was with, like, this scenario, I guess. Like, this movie I, was, in a lot of ways, memento, right? As far as getting this particular revelation point, where, where, where memento is circular, to a large degree, you have you have an incident, which is the end of the movie, and you have incidents happening before and after, going flipping back and forth throughout the entire movie to get to the particular incident, right? Um, this did that kind of, especially in the back half of this movie, was doing that, right? The, the 10 minutes into the end of the movie, you get to the revelation and then you're able to move forward. This is definitely one of those things where, you, like, as, we're, as we are now discovering, and again, like, this is me coming fresh off the movie without a lot of time to digest this stuff. Just having a general, like, as I was watching it and as these crazy things were happening, I just kind of, Made some general like, oh, that's kind of how that works. I'm not going to think about it and, and just enjoy the movie. And from that perspective, and then I was really kind of paying attention in my mind of like, was my thought about her and, and her son kind of correct, which I felt like kind of was then towards the end. Anyway, so that I kind of, but now we sit and you start talking about it. You're like, wait a minute. Now I'm really confused. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But this, that, this part of it is the thing I like the most about the movie. It's sitting here and trying yeah. to like figure out the mechanics and how it all works and what thing was the thing and does what does this mean for the universe that they're all living in? I like that more than I think the the story that's told in this film. Like I just think I just like sitting here and like wondering how old Neil could possibly be and if it's her kid in the future or not. Like all of that is like fascinating to me. I I, I had another idea as I was watching it where I was again going back to the momentum memento analogy which was, I wonder if the end of this movie, the world does end. Everyone does die. And there are parts right prior to that where people are going back. They, they get very, very close to that moment. They go backwards in time and keep going backwards in time trying to figure out why. But the only thing that blows that whole scenario up is when was this device created in that scenario when they said generations in the future? But, you know, I so if, if, if they... If they were like in this like U-shaped thing, like the reverse side of you trying to figure out for the front side of you so you can get past like the world exploding. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. The front side of you. <clears throat> this movie, look what it's done to us. Yeah. <laughs> your ass trying to figuring it out for your... For your- <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you guys, did you guys watch this movie with subtitles? No. No. I 100% needed subtitles for this movie. <laughs> there was some low low dialogue. Is that what you're... Like, we couldn't hear them? Or what What was it? So I think it was a combination of two things. There were moments where I couldn't hear what they were saying. Maybe a gunfire was too loud. Plus, like, the they were dropping so much, so much exposition on you throughout. Like, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss any little details. Mm, okay. So I was... I knew okay. I would spend time like, wait, did they say? And then I would have missed 14 lines because of those rapid fire conversations. If I could read the script on the screen, I was like, okay, I know what, how this is going. I found that to be a requirement. That first scene where he meets that 
the woman with the British accent who tells him about basically Tenet. She like basically mumbles her whole dialogue like that. I could see you turning it on during that scene. Like she's like, I'm like, I was like, what? What? Ooh, what is it? So, but yeah. And then there's that whole scene when they're on the boat to Oslo or wherever they're going. And he's explaining, he's trying to explain it to John David Washington. And he's like, does your, does your brain hurt? He's like, yep. Like that whole thing where he's trying to explain the time travel or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, what are they doing by putting that line in the movie? Are they telling you, the audience, like, hey, don't worry about it. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Does your brain hurt? Is this confusing yet? Are you keeping up? They say that like three separate times. Yeah, I wonder how like the masses will accept or not accept this movie. I don't know. I've, I feel like this is going to be in a, a top a top list for a certain segment of Nolan fanatics and then there'll be a good section that just like think they should like it but don't get it or maybe that it's just like average and then there'll be a whole slew that are like I turned it off after 30 minutes I have a, a friend who considers himself a, a, a true movie buff and he He's already ready to hate this movie. He's like, this is pretension at its highest, in its highest form. I am not, I am not open to liking this. I will watch it, I guess, but. I am- that's so, so he hasn't seen it yet. And that's his take. That's strange. Why? It's, I think it's, I think it's a, a Christopher Nolan. I'm smarter than you sort of approach <laughs> that he like is chafing against, which fair. I did notice he wrote this himself. He didn't write it with his brother, which he typically does. Mm. Maybe his brother is more of like an evening out, like uh, influence on him, and the pretension level like got you know stepped up a little bit because it's just <laughs> him. Maybe you never know. It's left unchecked. Yeah, I don't know. Did you guys watch Westworld? I no. did not. I only saw like one or two episodes. There are three seasons. I watched two of them. I found the second season to be so convoluted and confusing for the sake of it mm. that I was like, and that was written by Jonah Nolan. <laughs> so I'm not sure <laughs> which one is responsible. They're trying to out, out confuse each other. <laughs> each one is like, oh yeah, watch this TV show. You didn't understand my show. <laughs> Growing up, you never got me. Well, you're not going to get this. <laughs> So Nolan does a movie like every two or three years. Do we know what he's working on next? Ooh, next? No. I don't know. Hopefully something. But you're right. He only does. <laughs> he doesn't do. A, he's not the typical. He's not like Michael Bay. So. Well, I was just looking. I was just looking. You know, so it's Tenet 2020, Dunkirk 2017, Interstellar 14, Dark Knight Rises 12, Inception 10, Dark Knight 8, Prestige 6. It's like two to three, almost two years exactly to the mark. Three years on some. Uh, the only thing I see on IMDb is a remake of Memento. What? Which hmm. does not feel necessary. Well, he's done, he's done more than Tarantino, but not that many more. Directing, anyway. What if you gave Christopher Nolan the screenplay to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and you gave Quentin Tarantino the screenplay to Tenet and were like, direct this. <laughs> 
All right, guys. So my one my one big question is about the director. So Christopher Nolan. Is he somewhat of a unicorn in film directing today? Because to me, none of his movies are like any other directors, um, including maybe the ones even that I like. They they do more of like a traditional. Uh, whether it be a gangster movie, whether it be a spy movie. Uh, but he always, always seems to want to go down this road of like time travel or space travel or something weird. And he typically likes to do movies that he writes and directs. So curious what you thought about him in, in like kind of in the cinematic universe of everybody else. Well, my only res- like my gut response to this is there is probably only a handful of directors that have the ability, which means they have the money. Mm. And they don't they don't have that they don't have producers that tell them what to do. There's only a handful of them. Christopher Nolan, Steven Spielberg, James Cameron, like there are a couple and those those directors like James Cameron's a good example who just does whatever kind of he wants to do like avatar was his project or whatever his next thing was his project. Um, those movies probably would not have been made if it was, you know, a B list director or whatever. So Christopher Nolan to, I think we're lucky in a way in a unicorn. Yes. Where he has this ability, his insane talent then tackles really interesting topics that other directors of that same ilk or in that same echelon don't. I I think it's an interesting question too. I think unicorn might not be the right word because you're talking about some sort of like once in a lifetime in reinventing the concept of filmmaking when you like type of person or that that's how I'm sort of interpreting the question a little bit. I think he's very unique in that He's able to get all of these hundred to two hundred million dollar movies made with no intellectual property to base it off of. Right? They don't spend that money on anything mm. anymore other than Marvel and DC movies, really, or like Fast and the Furious, which has effectively become its own like IP. Um, so to be able to do that and be successful is 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 amazing. You mentioned before, you're like, oh, these other guys do gangster movies. These guys do whatever movies. I think Christopher Nolan makes sci-fi movies, like action sci-fi movies that are like more cerebral or he tries to be more cerebral. But I'm not saying that like he's a bad director or whatever. (laughs) I think his movies are super cool and fun. And I would be very excited to see what the next one would be. Like, where do we go from here? What is the movie now? Are we are we in the movie right now? Is this it? <laughs> I thought wasn't it Care Bears? <laughs> Something about the Care Bears movie? We could I figured out one hand I could come up with like the directors I really love that are yeah. still active or alive. So <laughs> and everybody, you know, their names that everyone knows, like Tarantino, Scorsese, Nolan, uh Villeneuve. Those are the guys that I like. Every time a movie comes out, I'm like, I don't care what it's about. Like, yeah, I watch you're it. Going. It doesn't matter. You're going. Yeah. yeah. 
And these are guys that make blockbuster movies, right? You're not talking about these weird, obscure indie filmmakers that are like really experimental. Like I watched a Jim Jarmusch movie. That, did you ever guys see The Dead Don't Die? No. Oh my God. What? It was insane. It made no sense to me. The characters are actively talking about the writer of the movie in the movie and like what the script says. And and then like. Sounds like Spaceballs. Yeah, but like it wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Dead. Is it as good as Dead Alive? Our friends. <laughs> dead Alive. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> I don't know. I think he just needed to have. Uh, I don't know. He didn't have to have Bane in this movie. Then I would have liked it a little bit more. You think time is your ally? Yes. <laughs> mm. Stopwatch like, is a powerful agent for the uninitiated. <laughs> <laughs> you merely adopted my son. <laughs> my greatest scene was this weird beard that I'm wearing. I do That's not a, like it very much. It's an incredibly spot on impersonation <laughs> of his Russian accent. <laughs> He does keep it low-key. Yeah, he does. Oh, what are you doing? I can't believe what the nuclear device <laughs> is. It would have been great if he did that. <laughs> hey, you guys, have you seen hey. the new bombs we got? There is this thing called the algorithm, and we're going to get it. And we're going to blow up everything. I think he became Dracula there for a second. <laughs> And then I'm going to suck your blood. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I, it sounds like we have reached the end of our robes. Tenet may have broken all three of us. want to thank everybody for listening this week. Go out and watch Tenet. Come back and listen to this. Watch it second, third time. I don't know. Try not to make feces after you see it. Whatever you do. Unless you're sitting in a Tempur-Pedic. <laughs> IMAX. Theater. Unless you're at Jordan's Furniture. Go to Jordan's yeah. Furniture. Drop a load. And then... <laughs> Buy some popcorn and you'll be fine. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.